0: Welcome to another brand new edition of the Cybersecurity Matters Podcast. I'm your co-host, Don McVogel, and joining me, as he does each and every week, or every other week, depending on our cadence, is Mr. Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I am I am good. Good. Very good. Very good. Not, Why, are you very good? Not quite fantastic. Uh, I'm a little tired today. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm really looking forward to our guest today. It's continuing our series with speakers from the uh, upcoming Vancouver International Privacy and Security Summit. Uh, we have the privacy commissioner for BC, uh, basically sort of the privacy rockstar for for the province, uh, Michael McAvoy, he will be joining us. Uh, it's going to be an amazing conversation. Um, so we're going to take a momentary pause and we'll uh, allow Michael to come in and chat with us.
1: All data is not created equal. You require a depth and breadth of information on technology assets that increases your credibility, maximizes your effectiveness and differentiates your service offering. You need to know what's there. Since 2004, Landsweeper has been the world's leading platform for IT, OT, and IoT discovery and inventory. By leveraging multiple proprietary scanning engines, from credential-free device recognition to agent-based discovery and everything in between, Landsweeper allows you to find both known and unknown assets connecting to your customer's network. The data available in Landsweeper's platform allows you to respond to a wide variety of use cases And is completely extensible through data export, our open API, or an OEM model that allows you to leverage our scanning capabilities within your own proprietary solution. When you partner with Landsweeper, the potential is endless.
0: Michael, thank you so much for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, really well, thanks. Here's uh, uh, we're seeing winter on the west coast for the first time in uh, quite a while, so it's uh, an, an adventure. I know. Here, here we are. Here we are thinking that we were going to get a nice warm winter, and now uh, we're not. So Getting interrupted. <laughs> yeah, no, the shorts have to wait a little bit longer. But um, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, I was wondering if you could indulge us first, uh, our listeners and our viewers, and ourselves, if you could share a little bit about your career narrative or what's brought you to where you are today. date.
2: Yeah, sure. I I grew up in Winnipeg. Um, I uh, went to university there. I went to law school, graduated, uh, came to the West Coast, actually, uh, early on in my career in the mid-80s. A young lawyer in Victoria. Uh, Eventually found myself working for the Attorney General of British Columbia uh, in the early 90s. So about 30 years ago, uh, where I was involved in the developments and helping the Attorney General uh, uh, navigate the Freedom of Information and Protection of Privacy Act. Uh, Then uh, considered to be a state of the art piece of legislation uh, here in the province, and uh, I'm never thinking, to be honest, when the whole thing was developed, and you know they put in place this commissioner thing. That here I would be 30 years later uh, sitting in the commissioner's chair that uh, uh, was put together under legislation that long ago. And uh, since then, I actually joined the office in 2007, the Office of Information Privacy Commissioner in BC, Uh, served in many capacities. uh, Uh, Laterally, before just accepting the commissioner's job, I was the deputy and uh, and stepped up to the role in 2018 where uh, an all-party committee of the legislature appointed me. And now here we are,
3: Michael, you are the uh, regulator of privacy in our province. Um, Can you talk and give us kind of an introduction of what are some of the privacy-related risks that you're seeing for businesses as well as for individuals?
2: Well, those risks... um, it's actually interesting because those risks have changed and evolved really since the legislation was put in place. Uh, and that was not that long ago and in uh, 2004. Uh, things at the beginning tended to be uh, transactional. So that would to say that, that if you went into a a retail store and they wanted maybe a little too much information or they wanted your driver's license for something, we might get individual complaints about that. But the landscape, that still happens, but the landscape has very much changed. where. We're looking at technologies that impact people, not uh, so much on a transactional level, but society as a whole. So um, whether it's an application that uh, seeks to gather a bunch of your information uh, uh, in a way that's uh, invasive, uh, I can think of, uh, for example, uh, uh, a recent uh, Canadian retailer here at British Columbia who who are collecting people's images with facial recognition technology, a very sophisticated piece of uh, uh, equipment. Gathering people's images, comparing that against a database, doing it in a way not compliant with legislation. So you can sense from that the scale of things moving very much from an individual to a much larger level because of the nature of technologies. Certainly, things like privacy breaches are are more and more uh, pervasive. Unfortunately, with the cyber hacking and uh, the need to take greater uh, security, uh, because of, and in fact, I, I should say about that that you, you know. We sometimes think about that as larger institutions who have these larger kinds of breaches, but not always the case. It can be uh, a very small startup collecting pretty significant amounts of information just given the nature of technology. So, uh, you know, these are things that uh, our ops is dealing with uh, every day and uh, unfortunately uh, more and more every day. Michael, what are some of the actual
3: types of data bar, should say privacy breaches that you're seeing?
2: Well, they would be anything from a simple, uh, you know, misplacing or sending an email to a wrong place that might have confidential information, to actual servers uh, that hold a lot of significant information about you and I uh, being breached. Uh, sometimes by foreign actors, but sometimes by actors uh, uh, here within the province uh, or, or you know within the country. Uh, so that it it varies uh, it varies widely but um, uh, the issues uh, affect people in a very significant way because much of that information can be used uh, for identity theft. It can be used to uh, embarrass people and more to blackmail people. Uh, there's all kinds of instances of, of, of that sort of thing going on. So part of our role as a regulator is to make sure that we're able to work with some of those organizations. And it's there's no mandatory breach reporting here in British Columbia, which is absolutely uh, ridiculous in this day and age. There ought to be. That said, uh, most organizations will be reporting to us because we can help and we can help navigate uh, their way through those kinds of uh, uh, matters and uh, and hopefully uh, minimize the harm that can come to uh,
0: citizens. Michael, you just because you you dropped in, I thought it's now a perfect segue around mandatory reporting, and we've seen different um, I'll say manifestations of that, you know, with the SEC and the. In the in the U.S., um, what would you like to be able to see, at least in B.C. in terms of some level of mandatory uh, reporting, uh, whether it be public sector, private sector? What 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 would be an
2: initial sort of manifestation of that? Right. So the good news is that the, the province has acted to ensure that there's mandatory reporting in the public sector. So that was a good step forward, and that's that's happened uh, just over uh, a year ago. Private sector doesn't exist. Um, we are way out of step in British Columbia with uh, with the rest of the country, even. Federally in Canada, Alberta, Quebec, both have mandatory reporting requirements. And throughout the United States, uh, states have taken it upon themselves to put uh, legislation in place. So we are really out of step. And uh, what we need to do is put in place legislation which would harmonize us with uh, the rest of Canada. So where there's a real risk of significant harm, organizations should be required to report that, uh, those kinds of breaches to uh, our office. But more importantly, they should be required to report that to you and I, and every citizen who's affected, so that we can take steps to uh, to protect ourselves. Um, um, Michael, I- I'm curious too. Um, and it's unfortunate in this day and
0: age there's still a lot of businesses that will take the option of you know sweeping it under the rug kind of thing. Um, how how do we uh, maybe remove maybe the, the stigma of you know getting breached? And, and because some people say, well, this is, has is a negative stigma. We don't want people to know about it. Uh, what, what type of co- conversations do we need to have with business owners and the, the bar business landscape, you know, at least especially in BC here, so we recognize that this is an area of improvement. This is an area of, you know, uh, name and shame kind of thing. Uh, what what yeah. of steps do you think our conversations need to have happen in the, in the business community here in BC?
2: Well, we often talk in this uh, the privacy world of breach roll about it's not if it's when, uh, because this can happen to anybody. Obviously. What we want to be doing is uh, taking steps to minimize that possibility. Um, if an organization thinks that in this day and age they can sweep that under the rug uh, because perhaps they want to protect their reputation, in fact, it's just the very opposite thing. Uh, it, it will be found out. It will be discovered, and that's where the harm to a, an organization's reputation can really uh, happen, where they don't, where they're not candid with their customers or clients, or with regulators. And so, um, uh, it's again, it's not a gotcha exercise. Uh, our office uh, wants to make sure that people report because we have expertise on our team that can and helps organizations every single day navigate their way through often very difficult circumstances. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we have a look too and we ask organizations what kind of privacy uh, management programs they have in place. Sometimes uh, there are none. So, again, a place where we can help. Uh, organizations to think about uh, how they should be putting programs in place that are going to uh, reduce the chance it's going to happen in the future.
0: We're just going to take a brief commercial break. Here's an awesome conversation with Michael. We'll pause a moment for a brief commercial break.
4: Every day, organizations face the threat of cyber attacks that target privileged accounts. In fact, a staggering 74% of data breaches start with compromised privileged accounts and credentials. Is your organization prepared to defend against these attacks? What if an attacker obtains access to one of your privileged accounts? What if a new admin mistakenly changes the configuration of a server, exposing sensitive information? How do you prove to auditors that all privileged activity in your organization is legitimate and under control? Netrix Privilege Secure is the answer. This complete solution empowers you to slash the risks associated with privileged accounts. You can gain insight into your attack surface by identifying all always-on privileged accounts across your organization, including local admins, service accounts, and scheduled tasks. Replace risky always-on privileges with just-in-time temporary accounts that have just enough access for the task at hand and that are automatically deleted afterward. Prevent breaches and ensure accountability by closely monitoring all privileged activity for suspicious behavior. Prove compliance with strict regulatory requirements with a tamper-proof audit trail of every session. Enforce least privilege by empowering data owners to regularly review access rights to their content and remove any excessive privileges. Don't delay, visit netrixcom slash PAM today to lock down your privileged accounts before they're compromised.
5: Every day, your business's data holdings grow in complexity and risk. With customer privacy and protection as a top priority, you need to know and trust your data in order to maximize its potential and manage your exposure. Solving this problem with multiple, unintegrated solutions only adds to the system's complexity. You need a central, automated platform to manage all your company's data risk, compliance, governance, and quality issues. Transforming your data from a potential liability into a valued, trusted asset that will enable you to grow your business with confidence. Introducing Data Sentinel, an all-in-one sensitive data management platform that illuminates the true nature of your organization's data natively integrating with all your sources and systems, monitoring, measuring, and remediating to ensure compliance with company policies and evolving data privacy regulations. Protect your business and your customers. Be confident your data is high quality, well-governed, and compliant. Data Sentinel, trust your data.
0: And we're back. Uh, Michael, this is just an incredible conversation. Uh, I'm going to pass it over to Christian um, before we go into our home stretch. Thanks, Dom. So... My question
3: is what are Michael some of the low hanging fruit that you're seeing in terms of the organizations that you're talking about in terms of them dealing with their basic privacy issues and their privacy program what are some common gaps and then how should they get started if all their privacy program is is let's say um just a a privacy policy that they found on Google
2: Yeah well that's a, that's a great question because uh with organizations you know where it starts is uh, what are you collecting? First of all, uh, what what do you have on uh, within the the confines of your organization? There are occasions I have to tell you, and it still uh, I have to say surprises me. Uh, somebody an organization reports a breach, and of course the first question is, well, what was what has gone missing, or what do you think has been jeopardized? And the answer sometimes is we're not sure because we actually don't know everything that's within our inventory of personal information. So starting at that place, just to inventory what you have. Which often makes you, as an organization reflect on, do we need to be collecting this in the first place? And if we've collected things that we no longer need, we certainly don't need the liability of that you know that information hanging around any longer than we need to have it for a business purpose. So these sorts of things uh, 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 you know are are issues that all organizations need to be thinking about. And then when you do collect it, um, who's looking at it? who's seeing it? Uh, it's, it should only be the, the people within an organization that absolutely need to see it. So that kind of role-based access, and then and then thinking about your basic security systems, um, which are getting uh, you know uh, more and more sophisticated. Of course, the attackers are getting more and more sophisticated. So it's it's it, it's a thing that I think companies, the organizations, have to be thinking about all the time. Uh, customers, clients, patients depend on organizations to be doing that. It's what builds this network of trust between organizations and all of the people that they deal with. Michael,
0: one last question before we talk about VIPS. Um, I'm, I'm curious in, in terms of your thoughts on when we're talking about privacy legislation or uh, mandatory data breach uh, reporting, how do we straddle that line of still giving room for, I'll say, interpretation, but not being too ambiguous? You know, like uh, right now in the U.S., you know, around the, um, with the SEC in there, um, mandatory reporting, there's some ambiguity around you know, uh, what they refer to as a material breach, right? It hasn't been really prescriptively defined. How, when we're, when, in your mind, when you're approaching this type of legislation, how do you straddle that line without it being overly prescriptive but not ov- overly ambiguous either? Well, where is that middle ground?
2: Well, I, that's a great question, and it really starts with, I think, the attitude of the regulator to make sure that they want, they convey, as we do, convey a message. For example, with public bodies now, Make sure if you're in doubt, if you're not sure, come and talk to us. We can work those things through. This is not something, uh, again, that uh, you either need to be ashamed about or or fear. And um, sometimes through that dialogue, we can we find our way to determining, and that organizations find a way to determining is that reportable? Isn't it reportable? You know, if it's a straight email that's gone with very little information in it that might be uh, harmful, no but it might be something more significant up that ladder. And that's a bit of the dialogue that happens, I think, um, also through the guidance that our office offers. uh, Organizations have a much better sense about what is reportable and what's not. You know, our legislation here in BC, and really in Canada, we've taken an approach probably somewhat a little different from Europe. I think we're a little less prescriptive. We tend to be what we call principles-based. And I think that's very effective in terms of the way we're able to... uh, to able to regulate. That said, as regulators both in British Columbia and Canada, uh, regulators need more tools in the way of administrative monetary penalties that we can impose, different kinds of order making, and the ability of, uh, of regulators to cooperate across the country as we do uh, to strengthen those ties so that uh, the citizens can have confidence in the transactions that they have with businesses and organizations.
0: Uh, really appreciate all this amazing insight, Michael. Uh, last question, hopefully it's the easiest one. <laughs> uh, wondering if you could tell us what you're most excited for at the upcoming Vancouver International Privacy and Security Summit. No, no, you've been there um, before, but wh- why do you enjoy the conference, the summit? Um, what, what is it that uh, keeps you coming back?
2: <laughs> yeah, I've been a n- number of times, and and um, look, uh, like uh, like the world of privacy and security that we're all involved with, things have evolved over the years, and the conference has evolved over the years as well, and. And really, uh, I think at really at the outset, it was uh, tended to be a little more focused in British Columbia, which was uh, seemed, you know, made sense at the time. But look, these issues now are are global. Uh, Our office in British Columbia uh, is now we, I'm chairing the governing council of the Asia Pacific Privacy Authorities, 20 authorities within the Asia Pacific Rim. We work together uh, on a daily basis with the regulators across the country. So that has just expanded greatly. Well, the conference has expanded greatly too. I mean, it's global in scope. Uh, I think uh, through uh, through the organization uh, that uh, Greg and others have uh, put together, uh, it's really put uh, I think British Columbia, Vancouver, British Columbia on the map, um, and and really I think reflects the fact that uh, we live in a in a world now where data obviously knows no boundaries, and so we have to be thinking that as policymakers, as organizations, and obviously as me and our office as a regulator, we need to be thinking about that sharing talking about issues uh, and and thinking about convergence and how we regulate. So uh, one of the really great things about the conference is it brings all of those elements uh, together in one place and allows just a really um, uh, terrific landscape in which to have these conversations. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for an amazing, amazing conversation
0: today. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters Podcast. I appreciate being invited. Awesome. Thank you again so much. And Chris and I will we'll be right back to wrap up today's episode. Join us at the 26th annual Vancouver International Privacy and Security Summit. Embark on a transformative intellectual journey on guarding privacy, fortifying security, and navigating the AI frontier, where visionaries, experts, and innovators convene to dissect the intricate intersection of cutting-edge artificial intelligence and the critical imperatives of preserving privacy and enhancing security. Through riveting keynote sessions, interactive workshops, and collaborative panels, this event promises to unravel the complexities, challenges, and opportunities that define our digital age. It's a special promo code, CyberSC15. That was a brilliant, brilliant conversation. Um, uh, wow. Like uh, I'm still processing all the amazing stuff he was talking about. I'm really glad that someone of his caliber is the privacy commissioner for for our whole province here. But uh, what what did you get out of that conversation?
3: Yeah, I was thinking about the citizens having building confidence in the citizens that are privacy programmed uh, in, in the province of B.C., and then across Canada as well is intact, and then also in the private sector, uh, building that network of trust.
0: I really love that concept. Yeah. The, the, the thing that I, I really like, what Michael was talking about too, was, and I, I didn't realize that about mandatory data breach reporting and how it's, um, you know, something that the province needs to move towards that. We're seeing that in, happening in the States. We see other provinces with that. So we're going to be very interested to see uh, how that comes together in, in the province here and hopefully not the coming years, but hopefully sooner rather than later. But Uh, That was an amazing conversation with the uh, Privacy Commissioner, Michael McAvoy. Special thanks to to him and his office for uh, coming on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. And as always, we want to uh, extend a special thank you to our loyal listeners and uh, viewers who join us each and every week. If you uh, want to see Michael in action at the upcoming uh, Vancouver International Privacy and Security Summit, FIPS, uh, you can uh, register uh, using a special promo code. It's cybersc, all lowercase c-y-b-e-r-s-c-1-5. Uh, you get a 10% uh, registration discount uh, to see Michael and other privacy and security uh, professionals uh, at that amazing uh, conference. But until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again next time on the Cybersecurity Matters Podcast.